Welcome everyone to the last episode of Green Talks podcast season 1. I've been Thomas Setre, your student host for one last time from Greenhub 20. I hope you have enjoyed listening to our episodes about SDG in research and education here at the University of Twente. Today we have a very special guest. We have invited the newest member of the sustainability community here at the University of Twente. He is the successor of Alex as the coordinator of Greenhub Twente. Please welcome the one and only Don Hartenberg. Thank you so much, uh, Thomas. It's uh, an honor to be here today. Thank you, Dan, as well, for accepting our invitation. Could you please break down your academic career for us and uh, what will you be doing here at the university? Yes, uh, of course. Uh, well, I studied facility management um, until uh, 2013 and I actually uh, did my thesis on uh, working in 2020 and what it will look like uh, to work in, in an office or even at home. And mm-hmm. then we didn't know about the pandemic, of course. So. Uh, a lot of interesting uh, topic that I still see in uh, in my work life every day. Lovely, thank you. So you you've been uh, a facility management student at Saxion, so also here in Enschede, and um, since then, what what have you been working? Actually, it was in Deventer, but there's there's also a Saxion yeah. uh, building there, of course. Right, sorry. Um, and sorry, what what was your question? So, um, what have you been doing since your yeah. end of the education? So, um, after the uh, I finished my thesis, uh, I went straight uh, into work life, and I started working at a con- in the construction uh, scene uh, at a con- at, at a contractor, mm-hmm. and I've been doing so for the last ten years. Wow! Yeah, but. Um, I've always been involved in a lot of sustainability projects, turning real estate into a more sustainable mm-hmm. uh, 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 real estate. And uh, that really made me think about sustainability in a more broader perspective. So that's why I'm here. Indeed, indeed. Uh, we are very pleased to have someone on the show now who is coming from a third, per- third perspective to the university, coming from the industry, but is very keen to learn more about sustainability. That we need, that we have here to offer, so indeed, um, I think it's also great to have industrial pro- uh, professionals here and show them how they lead by example, as well as looking at the academia and learning from that. But before we go into a bit more on sustainability and construction, and and your personal motivation, I would like to ask you this this very question. What is your most unsustainable guilty pleasure? Yeah, of course, I've been prepared for this question. uh, (laughs) um, It's always a bit of a scary one because we try to be as sustainable as possible. But uh, unfortunately, uh, I'm still a meat eater. Um, Mm. Not every day I try to be um, much more aware of what I eat and Mm -hmm. uh, um, the things that I consume. Um, And um, I'm also uh, still... uh, Using dairy products, so I mean, we still, yeah, it's 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 such a big part of our culture, and what I've been doing for the last thirty-seven years is um, 
it's instilled in, in inside me and uh right trying to let it go but uh it takes some time yeah it's not easy to give up on cheese it's understandable <laughs> thank you yes <laughs> that's understandable understand. yeah 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 but uh, thank you very much for sharing this i think it's important that yeah uh, it's not only black and white and we need really personal change as well and to 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 be aware of our guilty pleasures and know what you can keep and what you shouldn't <laughs> all right but now uh, since we have become a bit with personal now with the questions let's also focus on what is your motivation what role does sustainability has in your life and how did it all start yeah that's indeed very personal i think um when uh when i was in construction first of uh, i started um reading much more about sustainable practices sustainable practices in mm -hmm. business in general but also in construction uh, in specific of course um the last four years i was uh, asked to find a team of sustainability uh, professionals to help the housing companies and also uh, some municipalities to turn their real estate into uh, a more sustainable future. And um, that actually started us thinking about um, how, what if we tell these people how sustainable they need to be, then um, we have to be very sustainable ourselves because we have to lead by example. Mm -hmm. And um, we were also always looking for the intrinsic motivation in people uh, in our team. Uh, what is your intrinsic motivation? And I had one of my team members who actually completely refurnished his own house into making it um, carbon neutral and um, he, he didn't use any gas, any natural gas anymore, which was like always the perfect example uh, to go to. But in my personal life, and that's maybe the biggest driver for me to be sustainable and that's my three kids who uh, are five and two and we also have a little baby who's turning one uh, um, very soon and um, when I had them I, I realized that they will be here for much longer than than I will be uh, mm -hmm. hopefully they'll be here longer than, than 80 years and um, to realize what's going on in the world and how we are actually destroying it at the moment. Um, that made me very conscious of what, 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 I, what I was doing myself and what we are doing in society and what consequences that might have for them. And um, I am very enjoying this world, the nature and the green and um, if you go somewhere, mountains or the sea. and. I want them to be able to enjoy that as well as much as I have done so far in my life. And um, what also worries me is um, if you hear about the problems with water drought, um, but also um, that's very that could be very hard to uh, have a proper proper agricultural uh, industry somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, the big migration that we are afraid of. Uh, how is the world going to look in, uh, in, in 30, 40, 50 years uh, when they're in their prime? And uh, they, they, uh, I want to give them a good future. And that's, what I'm, uh, that, that's really what, what drives me to do, yeah. to do better every day. You're a very concerned dad, but then I your am. concerns do come from here. And I think it's really inspiring to, you know, to have, have such, a, such a driver but also to, to, to us others who might not be in the same shoes as you, but 
just yeah just hearing this is also very inspiring so yeah leaving a better word for your children i think that's uh, that's how our parents and everybody who came before us should have thought and then maybe we wouldn't be here now but um let's go back to your education and how did you learn about sustainability in your education did you learn about sustainability in your education well there was a little bit um i remember uh being asked to design our own um house in my uh in, in my studies mm-hmm. and uh, you also had to include uh, uh like a side uh like a little bit of a side uh a business uh, where you can have an office and stuff like that um and um we were mostly talking about total cost of ownership uh, basically something that we use in construction a lot and that's when you look at what I- what how d- how much do you invest now when building something new or actually mm-hmm. uh, renovating something and um, how does it help you reduce the cost uh, the total cost of ownership uh, on the long term if you look at maybe 14 f- 40 or 50 years that a building will be there um, but it was always very economically driven and not really about how can we turn this into a more sustainable piece of real estate. And uh, yeah, it was all about the money. Right, yeah. If I understand you, that's really about, th- yeah, there was a bit of a lack of environmental sustainability, maybe well put, and yes. rather focused on the economic. But yeah, we're, we're now looking back uh, 10 years at least, and then the, the word was also quite different. Now, luckily, we can say that there is a lot more focus. Otherwise, we also wouldn't be here at this table. That's true. Yeah. So it's it's good to reflect, good to know where we're coming from, but know also where we are going. So let's now look into the industry. So now let's go past education. Uh, with some uh, sustainability background, you, you, you kick-started in the construction industry, working there 10 years, and uh, you were working for a uh, contractor and uh, if if I asked you how would you change the business model and uh, try to make it more sustainable and reduce the footprint well what would you say yeah that's a very good question and also something that the construction business is at the moment very much about mm-hmm. um, what we learned actually uh, definitely when the pandemic hit and um, also the the conflict in in ukraine and and russia started that actually prices of construction material were rising very quickly um but there was one thing that we did notice that that did help us to um promote bio-based materials in in a much better sense because um it became almost on the same price level as the regular uh construction materials because it didn't rise that that fast and um, we were also very much looking for ways to replace uh, concrete with uh, wooden structures mm-hmm. because wood doesn't have that much of a CO2 impact uh, as, uh, well, I mean, uh, concrete is, is really very bad uh, when, when you look at it, look at the big picture. Right. Um, then also for insulation, we were looking at bio-based materials, but not only because it fits into a more circular model of the construction, but also because it will give you a much uh, better um, inside uh, area, so a, a better breathing uh, space for the mm-hmm. uh, for the occupants of the of the building. Um, 
and uh, so it has multiple uh, multiple levels of uh, of well upgrading your your buildings so exactly that does really help yeah for i think for the interest of the of the listeners as well in the past episodes we have been talking a lot about bio-based materials and new new more sustainable materials either for the construction industry or for the chemical industry in general so i also see a great um, connection here with what is what is applied what is from your perspective uh, needed and should be and could be done and also what is what is it that the academia is working on so if it feels a bit yeah detached from the real life the the research that uh, people here at the university might be doing it's actually not right it's it's right there it's right there you you um we use these new techniques and and, and the new um, materials that people find. Um, we we try to use them straight away, mm. and we love to experiment. And um, we also we, well, what what's a what's a good thing to mention is that at my last job we were really about building long term relationships, and that actually creates an environment where you are able to use these materials in an experiment maybe not on a very big scale at first but mm -hmm. when you notice that it works and that the uh, uh the people that live in that building actually like it and uh, there are no long-term problems then you can upscale so um yeah that, that's very much um how it runs through trickles through uh, the system mm -hmm. yeah. from a business uh, side of view what drivers does the construction industry have to to become more sustainable as well. honestly there's also a very big lobby from the concrete uh, industry um <clears throat> they're trying to make their the concrete more sustainable of course that that's absolutely something they're doing but um i i see that there are a couple of um big contractors who try and do the most sustainable way uh, and then try to implement more uh, sustainable business practices, mm -hmm. which really drives the rest of them to 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 follow suit as well. But honestly, the the construction is quite conservative when it when it well in in general really. So also when it comes to sustainability. Mm -hmm. But I feel there are um, a lot of people with the same drive as as I have, and. Um, yeah, uh, they uh, they are definitely driving the scene forward. But that was also one of the reasons I'm actually here. The conservative um, mode that the construction is in, it, it wasn't going fast enough uh, for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, are there some external factors as well, like the government, which is trying to push? Like, does it does your sustainability practices influence the tenders or how competitive you are on the market right now? Um, yeah, the the government they have a lot of rules and to enforce the construction to build as safe as possible, mm -hmm. which is obviously a very good thing. I mean, uh, when we look at what happened in Turkey recently, all these buildings collapsing after the earthquake, um, nobody wants that, and that's why these safety regulations are in place. So it's very understandable, but sometimes uh, it will also um, frustrate the process a little bit and it can also uh, slow it down. So that doesn't help, especially with the housing crisis we have in the Netherlands, of course. Um, when uh, looking at these tenders um, that I, I used to work on and, and I used to write the proposal, so we have like, a, we make a, 
very very good price obviously we try to be mm-hmm. as competitive possible in the, in the in the price that we offer um, but we also write a proposal to um, convince them that we are the best partner to work with and in these proposals you build like this beautiful story about what we do um, why we are good for the environment and why you should choose us to mm-hmm. be your partner in 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 um, uh, in, in real estate but I do feel that sometimes it leads to um, a, a sort of a marketing uh, um, process where mm-hmm. you make the story maybe a little bit too beautiful and uh, um, some of these companies I know that they didn't follow up when it really came to uh, finishing something yeah. in the same way so that was that was a, right. a bit frustrating sometimes so what what you are saying is those companies were promising more than they could deliver and ultimately for me that kind of leads to greenwashing it, you could call it that um it could be partly that as well but it could also be in the process that they were promising and not delivering mm-hmm. but definitely greenwashing was there and uh, um, they promised more than they could deliver in the end or um, that yeah that that's something that 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 was always uh, a concern definitely right. yeah so let's let's talk about this concern and let's uh, let's try to see how how you could fight it how did you fight greenwashing in in the industry um, about some maybe some facts and also some some takeaways that are um, transferable. Yes, that's a very good question. Um, of course, from a marketing perspective, where where I was, um, we we always tell the beautiful story. Mm-hmm. But then we also made sure that we actually followed up on uh, what we promised and that we what we promised is that we actually could deliver uh in in, uh, in the end when when actually uh, uh started started uh, building on the, on the construction side and um what we always did is also gave an overview of where we wanted to go as a as a sustainability team um, what were our dreams for the construction mm-hmm. uh, maybe the next couple of four to five years so we had like that big overview kind of like a roadmap a roadmap indeed yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 yes a roadmap of your of your own agenda absolutely and um, of course uh, the, the Dutch government uh, they told also the housing companies that they mm-hmm. want they should be more circular and they should be um, their construction process should be 50% circular in 2030 and 100% circular in 2050 mm-hmm. so that was always something we we deep we we, we dove into and uh, that we made sure that we had the right story to tell and also the right materials and also definitely the right partners because it goes through the whole column uh, from the housing company to the contractor but also all the contractors beneath that that we were responsible on on including in this process right and uh, also there we were going for these long-term corporations yeah so you're basically saying that all what the government also told you is to decarbonize your your whole supply chain. Yeah, well, we, you have to right. because uh, uh, we have carpenters, uh, mm-hmm. but there are so many more uh, disciplines in uh, in in the construction when you need to uh, up the real estate, and um, we are dependable on them. 
So if we want to deliver quality, good quality, then um, we we need to rely upon those contractors that are beneath the uh, at the end of the column, and and also sometimes even uh, on uh, the, the 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 firms that are producing these uh, these bio-based materials or mm -hmm. these circular uh, materials. And uh, co cooperation is a very, very big thing. Right. So, yeah, to, to, to summarize, as you're saying, collaboration and, and insight. So having these partnerships, especially in the beginning, you mentioned long-term partnerships is very important and you gain a lot from it. So, but for that, you need to find the right partners. So those, uh, those contractors and their role is very significant. Now, um, how do you get, let's say, the sustainability practices or the sustainability of each, um, um, let's say, location validated, for example? Um, what do you mean exactly? Do you mean that, uh, I, what I mean is uh, you're working on a site and um, do you invite somebody external to validate how ah. sustainable it is? And yes. Uh, if yes, could you give an example? Yes, of course. First, we have our own, um, we have our own experts, but also a lot of outside parties. For example, an architect mm -hmm. or a construction specialist, uh, someone from the municipality um, or an external auditor and um, they go through the whole process and of course the contractor is responsible from the start to the end and um, the, what I always li like to tell is that uh, when you start a project I would love for our um, uh, for, for example the housing company or the municipality to include us as soon as possible mm -hmm. uh, from the start from the get-go because um, then we feel like we have the most influence also on uh, how much the project is going to cost but also on the quality that we want to deliver as a as a whole as a team not as not only from the municipality side of view but also from our point of view but also from for example the the government what do they want into it and um to get that outside view and all these different opinions is uh, that's sometimes very hard but it's the role of the contractor to get it all into one big plan and uh, uh, one design and and to to do it to to get it done mm -hmm. and the contractor is always until the end and some people get on that train somewhere in the start and they get off halfway or somewhere uh, these these contractors which are, are lower in the, in, in the column um, they 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 start halfway and they write until the end mm -hmm. um, but the contractor is always there from start to finish and uh, we make sure you get the the best quality and then at the end uh, to answer your question you, you get that audit and uh, you get a, a professional outside view to uh, to actually confirm that we've done what what we've promised mm-hmm and that's uh, so. Yeah, that's the same for all the sustainability practices that you have included. Y you yes. told me about an example um, bef before our meeting that uh, you had plastic on site, yeah. and uh, you 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 had some projects to reduce it completely while you were working. And um, could you just highlight highlight like some top three things which was important for you to to get this project off? That's a good, good, good. What I actually told about was uh, about our roadmap, mm -hmm. and um, that we wanted to have a plastic-free construction site. 
I think it was in 2025. Mm -hmm. Actually, very ambitious uh, uh, plan, but I know that other constructors have been doing it before. So that's actually one of these examples where you talk about that they inspire you to do better. Um, and um, because you're so much dependent on your partnerships and on the people that you're working with, is you need to talk to everyone uh, that's uh, that you that you hire on your construction site and that they bring these packing materials into your construction site to to get it done. So it's it's not something that uh, um, we start today and we finish tomorrow. It's mm -hmm. more of a long-term plan. Um, but I do believe. I mean, even when you're going to the supermarket, everything is wrapped in plastic. Um, so that was something that, that we didn't like and uh, we wanted to take it to our construction site where we can actually have an influence ourselves and set a great example. And I think also the housing companies and the municipalities that we work for were also very much into this. And it was always also about um, telling that beautiful story again and uh, making sure that they were convinced that we were intrinsic motivated to do the good for their real estate, but also for the society and the, the people uh, people around us. Yeah. Right, right. Thank you for sharing this perspective. Um, I was wondering before we, we move forward to your turning back to academia from industry, can you just like summarize in terms that um, everything that you learned in construction, what skills would you transfer or what skills did you develop there that now is also very important and useful for you yeah that's a good question i mean over the last 10 years i i learned a lot i think um from project management to being effective in marketing uh, building networks uh, with all these interesting people meeting new people um, writing a proper uh, proposal for these tenants that's also something that I think I, uh, I up my skills uh, in as well um, and then something really nice that I learned is that I loved working with students um, we had interns at mm -hmm. especially at my, at my last job that I got to work with and they were so insightful uh, full of energy fresh perspectives asking the questions that no one had ask, ever asked me before. Mm -hmm. And that really, um, yeah, uh, took it to a new level uh, for me, uh, sharing my own experience uh, as I was a bit older than uh, than these students and I could share some experience in life, but also from coming from, I mean, I had like eight or nine years uh, in, in the industry. Right. Um, and that was something that I uh, that I really liked. So that also I think helped me to uh, get this job that I'm currently in. Mm. Yeah, the the fresh perspectives and this energy kind of just uh, <laughs> bring bring you here. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, since then you have also been learning more about uh, sustainability, especially the topics of circular economy and donut econometrics. Uh, which is something that uh, we haven't discussed on the show yet. So could you summarize the donut economics to us a bit? Yeah, um, well, I was very inspired by Kate Rauer's donut uh, economy. Um, actually, when you think about sustainability, you might not think about a donut, but mm -hmm. um, it's a very easy concept to understand when you see the inside 
of the donut is the planetary boundaries and the outside of the donut is everything we consume and we use and we produce uh, on a daily uh, um, on a daily basis and the donut economy is all about finding the right balance between the planetary boundaries so keeping within what it can stand i mean in the netherlands we're using three and a half uh, of these earths uh, uh, on on a yearly basis, which is I mean it's it's crazy, <laughs> um, and uh, then to keep the balance is is something that we need to work to. And uh, Kate Raworth is actually um, telling us that uh, it's all about growth. Still, you mean in politics, you hear growth. Uh, shareholders talk about growth, and uh, that she's actually telling us that your kids can grow, your plants can grow, but in the end, they'll stop growing and they'll thrive. Mm -hmm. And I believe that the, that economic model is that we're actually at the top of uh, our, uh, our, uh, our growth and that we need to stop growing at the moment and that we need to thrive in this mm -hmm. uh, beautiful world. Um, so no more buying uh, uh, a new mobile phone every once or twice, uh, 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 one one or two years, um, you don't need uh, the newest laptop. You don't need the newest t TV. For example, at my home, we have a TV that's eight years old, and it's still fine. And as long as it works, uh, and uh, we will use it, and I will not buy a new one. And actually, if it might break, I might even try and get it repaired first. Mm -hmm. The same thing we did with our vacuum cleaner. Um, my father is actually uh, in, in these uh, repair cafes that we have here in the Netherlands and I think all over the world. And uh, our vacuum cleaner broke down. I didn't. I, I'm not very uh, a very handy person myself, but my dad is uh, fortunately. So I took it to him, and um, it was actually in the wire where there was like a. Uh, something was wrong. He replaced it and it cost me 30 euros. Mm -hmm. Instead of uh, buying a new vacuum cleaner, which might have been 200, 300 euros. Uh, and that's something I strongly believe in. Um, and I think Kate Ra was also, also telling us to stop this consumerism and um, stop buying new stuff. Mm. So um, another great, great example my son he loves thomas the tank engine mm -hmm. and uh, we bought him some second-hand trains he doesn't care he plays with them a lot and he doesn't care if it's new or if, if it's second-hand and that's something i really i really enjoy and it even saves us money in this case uh, also the vacuum cleaner i mean right so there is uh, a lot of incentives to to do the right here and uh, I, I strongly believe that we need to continue this and that everyone should do this yeah and you were just only talking about one side of the uh, of them so it's just the economic price but the true true cost of these things yes. like the true cost of our daily life uh, if if we keep buying new and new things obviously there is a, a production price to it there is a a footprint to it which in this case uh, like what you were saying it's kind of like a circular economy within the boundaries which does highlight that there is a true cost to everything yeah true pricing is also a movement that i'm following and um, um, i think uh, I was inspired by uh, Babette Porcelain, I, I, I assume mm -hmm. you know her as well. 
um, when she told about like the iceberg where you see the tip that's the that's the the true cost that we're paying in a store but then below the surface below the sea there's this even bigger um well disaster really going mm-hmm. on where um there's so much cost in in what actually the planet is paying uh, at the moment in this consumerism and uh, uh true pricing um is definitely something that well we might need to uh put it into place in the university as right, well right maybe uh, you'll see this this um this meal will cost me five euros but true pricing it's actually six and um that will i i believe that it makes people realize their impact and uh yeah that that's something that we need to implement i believe for sure and yeah like you said this is something that you're passionate about and uh, luckily you're already here for the sustainability weeks when this uh, presentation was also happening so you could you could learn about it i think which is great Now let's get back a bit to working with students. So um you, you you feel like it's an impactful work. Why why is that? Yes. Yes, I absolutely believe it's impactful work. Um so I've been working with students now for two months full time and um these young and bright minds they inspire me to do better every day and what they are actually uh what motivates them is uh, uh their own future mm-hmm. uh, i mean they have the, they have the same feeling that i'll be here for a long time while i might be gone uh, at that moment and um um what really inspires me is that they have this enthusiastic and uh, this energy to to drive things forward in education in in research um but at the green up we also have two very uh, dedicated event managers who are really professional even though they're only working eight and eight hours a week for for the green hub mm. um we have a design team that's uh doing a fantastic job in creating these fabulous designs online offline when uh, for example they created a board game to inspire people to uh to get more knowledge about sustainability and um yeah this it, it really feels like i'm part of a very green community and uh i am i'm very honored to to, to be their uh, coordinator and to be uh, responsible for for what they produce in the end but it all comes from them uh, i just try and, and lead it in a uh in a, in a proper way but they produce the quality uh, every time i ask them right and uh so what 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 do you see as your future role in in green hub in terms of what do you thrive to achieve in uh, in in the years that you will spend here yes that's a very good question um Well, at the moment we are quite i feel like we are a bit tucked away in the, in the corner of the bastilla building um so we're, we're currently working on a more central location or sort of a hub of the hub mm. um, where we can more have more interaction with students uh, we can actually ask for their ideas their green ideas and even be more visible so that's something i i really want to want for green up be be more visible uh, in uh, in the university mm-hmm. um i also believe that um of course money is always uh, an issue uh, we have our own budget and we pay our students uh, which are actually 27 at the moment um so the rising cost is is a, a bit of a concern so 
what we're actually looking at at the moment is also trying to find new sources of income and be less financially independent from the university, which uh, will lead to us being able to make our own uh, a bit of more of our own decisions, mm-hmm. but also uh, be able to do more in, in, in sustainability, which is, of course, the end goal to be uh, as green as possible and to be to have the, m- the most impact on sustainability at the UT, but also in uh, a society around us in Twente, maybe in Overijssel. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, that's that's something I plan to to take to a new level. Right. I think we could also look a bit further than just Overijssel because uh, we have been having some guests from overseas. Perhaps, perhaps it's also good to highlight that now we are kind of like a role model, not only in the Netherlands, but also overseas. Yes, we, we have actually been honored by a visit from Visayas uh, State University from the Philippines. And they were here with a delegation of nine people. Um, and we have been recommended for our best practices in sustainability. And I showed them around at the university. I... Um, we had some very interesting talks with the Climate Center, with the Honors Program, with the people from the Green Hub, of course, uh, mm. our own student officers. And they have been at the Sustainability Dialogues. And uh, I feel like we really showed them uh, our, our most green side of the, of the university. And we tried to inspire them by giving them ideas on uh, how uh, to do it back home. Yeah. And, I've, of course, I mean, it doesn't... Uh, work one-on-one of course they are in a much different environment a different type of culture but I think we definitely inspired them and what I heard back from them they had all these questions for us and all these great comments and and compliments for how we were doing and um, I feel like it was a very successful visit right and we need to also live up to keep being a role model yeah and uh, yeah there's a lot of things happening but now it's maybe it's also good to focus a bit on on our show and uh, yeah if you haven't seen all the episodes um, we have 10 episodes now available from season one and season two is starting from the next academic year so please stay tuned and say hi to Dan thanks <laughs> all right thank you very much <laughs>